Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Today we're going to continue in this series to all the world. I, before I minister, I want to say a couple of things and then we're going to pray. 75% of people in Everett, this town, speak English at home. 12% of people in Everett speak Spanish at home. 13% of people in Everett speak some other language at home. One in four in our city speak something other than English at home. In order to help us to appreciate that and to emphasize this to all the world mission of this church and God's people, we've been highlighting other languages rather than English. A couple of weeks ago, at various scripture passages read in four different languages, I believe. Last week, in our worship songs, we shared in various languages. Today, I'm going to speak and minister through the fourth chapter of the book of John. I'm going to comment on various verses as I go along. While I do that, the verse is going to be on the screen in English, and it's very important, everybody's got to stay sharp, because I'm not going to read the verse in English when it goes on the screen. Instead, Brad is going to, Brad Portell is going to read the verse in Spanish. So we'll hear Spanish throughout this service. Perhaps somebody needs that interpretation here today. If so, I'm not aware of it. Why are you doing that, preacher? We're doing that in faith. Representing those around us who will come to living faith. In Jesus' name. We're speaking this in faith. In the weeks to come, I hope to do more. Two weeks from today, our entire message will be interpreted in ASL. Does anybody need that in that service? I'm not aware right now. But we're going to speak it in faith. In the hand and power of Almighty God. Because people of those understandings are in our city. And we're going to speak the gospel in Jesus' name. I want us to pray right now for this message and for our understanding. I'm going to ask everyone to pray specifically. Lord, open my eyes today. Open my understanding. I want you, Lord, to increase my faith in you and my trust in you. Would you pray that way right now? Raise your hands and call out to the name of the Lord. Jesus, my Lord, we look to you right now in your infinite power and glory. Lord, that you would expand our understanding. Lord, that you would minister, Lord, very clearly and very directly in our minds and spirits. I pray, God, that you would open up, Lord, the things that we understand in your kingdom. I pray that you would expand, O oh God, our appreciation of your power in our lives. I, I pray, Lord, that something divine would happen in this place by the power of your word and the authority of your spirit. Increase our faith, O oh God. Increase our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout, in Jesus' name. Somebody say it again, in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. So here we begin. We're going to have on the screen John chapter 4. Verses 1 to 4, John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and so it'll be on the screen. Read to yourself and listen as Brad reads. Cuando pues el Señor entendió que los fariseos habían oído decir, Jesús hace y bautiza más discípulos que Juan. Aunque Jesús no bautizaba, sino sus discípulos. Salió de Judea y se fue otra vez a Galilea, y le era necesario pasar por Samaria. So Samaria, Jesus said he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now some have spoken on this comment that Jesus made, that Jesus had specific purpose in Samaria, and that's certainly possible. But I, I want us to consider this afternoon that it's also possible that this statement is just telling us about geographic necessity. Because if you look at the geography of Palestine, the southern region was Judea, Jerusalem, where Jesus was. The northern region where Jesus wanted to go was Galilee. And between the two was Samaria. Geographically, in order to go from Judea to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't really have to. He could have gone another way. He could have left Judea, crossed the mountain range, then gone north, crossed the mountain range again to get to Galilee. But the practical aspect, particularly on foot, is to take the hike through Samaria. It's certainly possible. And if that's a possibility and that's the meaning, then here's what happens in this story about Jesus. What happens is this is Jesus taking advantage of of a typical situation in his life. It's as if, you will, Jesus thinking, I've got to travel through Samaria to get where I'm going, so let's see how I can be effective in this situation. Since I'm going to be in this place, it's just a part of the process, what can I do while I'm here? Now notice verses 5 and 6. Vino, pues, a una ciudad de Samaria llamada Sicar, junto a la edad de Jacob, dio a su hijo José. Y estaba ahí el pozo de Jacob. Entonces Jesús, cansado del camino, se sentó ahí junto al pozo. Era como la hora sexta. Well, Jesus is tired. He's road weary. He sits down. And he's going to rest by the well. Verses 7 and 8 then show us this. Vino una mujer de Samaria a sacar agua, y Jesús le dijo, dame de beber, pues sus discípulos habían ido a la ciudad a comprar de comer. Jesus is tired, he's worn out, road weary, but it doesn't keep him from connecting with this woman. I want us to understand as hardworking, long commuting, overwhelmingly busy people. That Jesus' tiredness doesn't overwhelm his burden for somebody's soul. Her soul is more important than his rest. And Jesus opens a conversation by asking, please give me 
a drink. He's alone there because the Bible says his disciples had gone into town to the grocery store. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you think Jesus and his disciples would have stopped at the well in the first place? They're on a serious hike from Judea to Galilee. Doesn't it seem likely that the group is traveling and they see an ancient truck stop and there's water there? And so they went in at the well and they got, doesn't it make sense that they purposely stopped there to get water? That just makes sense to me. And it makes sense to me also that the disciples would not have dropped Jesus at the well and then kept on going into town to the grocery store without saying, hey, why don't we get some water first before we keep walking? It also makes sense to me that if they got water, they surely would have offered some to Jesus. If you're drinking water, surely you give some to Jesus also. Which then brings me to this question, why does Jesus ask the Samaritan woman for a drink of water? I think Jesus asked for a drink just to start a conversation. In fact, he never gets a drink of water from her as we read. Never completed and he never asks again and she never asks him how the water tastes. I think he asked the question just to break the ice and start the conversation. Note her reaction in verse number 9. This is how she responds to his question, his request. La mujer samaritana le dijo, ¿Cómo tú, siendo judío, me pides a mí de beber, que soy mujer samaritana? Porque los judíos y samaritanos no se tratan entre sí. So she's surprised. He's talking to her. She explains why. She's a Samaritan and a Samaritan woman. A few verses later in verse number 27, look at this. Jesus' disciples are shocked at his conversation with her. Notice verse 27. En esto vinieron sus discípulos y se maravillaron de que hablaba con una mujer. Sin embargo, ninguno dijo, ¿qué preguntas o qué hablas con ella? So what it says is it's reflecting the sensitivities of their time. Rabbis, teachers like Jesus, in that time, historically, they're very cautious about talking to women in public. Most of them followed warnings against speaking to women in public places. There were cultural expectancies that Jesus would not speak to this woman. That was the cultural expectancy but he spoke to her anyway Jesus can I just remind us this afternoon he approached people that others thought were unapproachable Jesus loved people that others considered were unlovable Jesus allowed his love for eternal souls to overcome human expectations and regardless of what culture said Jesus started a conversation and I just provoke us a moment and ask the question when was the last time 
We launched into a conversation beyond typical expectations. When was the last time we engaged somebody and it surprised them that we were talking to them? Food for thought. In verse number 10, the story continues. Respondió Jesús y le dijo, Si conocieras el don de Dios y quién es él que te dice, dame de beber. Tú le pedirías y él te daría agua viva. I love Jesus' initial words, if you only knew. He's sparking interest. He's sparking intrigue. The lead-in to his comment is, I know something that you should know about. There's intrigue. It, it's a statement that begs for more conversation. It's causing her to ask more questions. I, I want us to know as a congregation, it is our prayer and our expectancy that faith groups develop this kind of conversational skill in all who participate in them. Faith groups are designed to make us, help us, teach us, lead us to be better conversationalists. They're designed to sharpen our ability to engage and interest other people. Oh, pastor, I struggle to make conversation. I understand that. I was that way one time. When I was young, I was scared to death. To stand in front of people. When I was young, to get in front of people, my hands sweat so badly that I couldn't hold anything. I was just nervous beyond measure. I get it. Can I also say that conversation and communication is a learned skill? It's a learned skill. No one was born a savvy conversationalist. Engaging people is something we learn. And I ask today, what better learning environment than with a trusted group of fellow disciples where there's a topic and discussion questions and we know where we're going? How better to learn how to talk like Jesus? How better to learn how to share a question and a point and intrigue and an entry to say something like like him, if you only knew what God has in store for you. Here's how she responded to Jesus. Verses 11 and 12. Read carefully. La mujer le dijo, Señor, no tienes con qué sacarla, y el pozo es hondo. ¿De dónde, pues, tienes el agua viva? ¿Acaso eres tú mayor que nuestro padre Jacob, que nos dio este pozo, de que lo vivieron? Y sus hijos y sus ganados. She's also willing to step outside of ordinary conditions. She knows the culture. She's surprised, yet she's also willing to talk with Jesus. And so she shares her questions. She lets him know, you know what? I don't get what you're talking about. How are you going to get me water? You don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. In fact, how come you think your water is better than this water? We think this water is pretty great. Her questions are reasonable questions, but understand, they were natural questions. They were limited by her own experience. But even in that, Jesus isn't frustrated. 
He doesn't overwhelmed by her misunderstanding. Jesus just keeps explaining when she doesn't fully understand. Verses 13 to 15, we pick up the discussion. Respondió Jesús y le dijo, Cualquiera que viviere de esta agua volverá a tener sed. Mas el que bebiere del agua que yo le daré no tendrá sed jamás, sino el agua que yo le haré será en él una fuente de agua que salte para vida eterna. La mujer le dijo, Señor, dame esa agua para que yo no tenga sed ni venga aquí a sacarla. She says to him, that sounds awesome. I want that. I don't want to ever have to be thirsty and I don't want to have to come back to this well to get any more water. She's excited to have what he's offering, but she's still not grasping the eternal concepts that he's trying to share. She still sees the natural. No more walking to the well in the heat of the day. No more dodging the vocal critics from town. She's thinking natural. She's not getting everything Jesus is saying. And Jesus knows that. And he doesn't stop. He's not frustrated. Instead, he's patient and he's persistent. He keeps bringing her back to it. He keeps explaining it in different ways. And so, in verses 16 to 18, he says these things. Jesús le dijo, Ve, llama a tu marido y ven acá. Respondió la mujer y dijo, No tengo marido. Jesús le dijo, Bien has dicho. No tengo marido, porque cinco maridos has tenido, y el que ahora tienes no es tu marido. Esto has dicho con verdad. Now things certainly get interesting. All of a sudden the statement gets really personal. And she isn't revealing something personal. He's describing something personal. He explains to her, go get your husband, and she explains the situation. Now, Jesus has displayed his supernatural knowledge. He's expressed something that he can only know because of who he is, by the hand of an all-knowing God. Spirit-filled disciples, I want us to grasp this today. We also have access to spiritual gifts. We have access to special abilities powered by the Holy Spirit within us. Last week, we prayed for the special ability to prophesy, to foretell the truth of God in our known language. That's a special ability to share the gospel of Christ by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But Apostle Paul tells us there are additional gifts beyond prophecy. There's gifts of discernment and knowledge and wisdom. You see, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we can ask Him for discernment and special understanding. Preacher, I would, I would talk to my co-workers about the things of God, but I don't know what I would get into. And I don't know if I would understand all of what's going on. Can I say we don't have to? The Holy Spirit can give special understanding. I don't know all the answers. I've yet read my Bible through entirely. In fact, I, I did read it through once entirely, but I think I slept through most of the Old Testament. 
Don't hold me accountable. I don't know all of this book and everything I need to know. I understand, same for most people, but you know what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, special information can be shared into our minds and in our spirits. And I can understand and know when someone's struggling with lust, when someone's struggling with addiction or fear or hopelessness that Drew spoke to today. Listen, not because somebody's told us, but because the Holy Spirit gave us that special ability. Preacher, I'm afraid if I talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and everything He can do, they're going to want me to give them some answers. And I don't know if I have them. Listen, we can ask for wisdom. We can ask for special ability to apply knowledge. If somebody asks me for their problem solved, I don't know what I'd tell them, but the Holy Spirit can give us answers of wisdom that's from above. It's beyond our own experience, but it is right by the hand of God. What are you telling us, Pastor? I'm telling us this, because fear of not knowing what to say can keep us from engaging people like the woman at the well. You and I at a well, one-on-one with somebody we don't know, in a situation that is similar, that's typical, that is ordinary, just getting a drink of water, and instead of entering into a conversation, we let fear get the best of us. We let fear keep us quiet. We let fear have us put our heads down and look at our toes like they're the most fascinating things on the planet. Fear. But I would tell you and have us understand tonight, child of God, follower of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, fear isn't as powerful as the Holy Spirit. And like Jesus Christ, we can expect to have just the right words at just the right time and say them in just the right way by the power of God. Fear should not direct the lives of spirit-filled disciples. The Holy Spirit should have control and authority and dominion in our lives. I'm not surrendering to fear. I'm going to surrender to the Spirit. Some of us are afraid of that. What if I really tell people what God is thinking and how He's dealing and what He might say, they're going to run for the hills. It's not what happened here. Jesus is very direct, very forthright. He knows her life status. And guess what? She does not walk away. She wasn't offended. She doesn't deny it. She didn't justify it. But her her response lets us recognize it's true. Look at 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. Read them carefully. Le dijo la mujer, Señor, me parece que tú eres profeta. Nuestros padres adoran en este monte. Y vosotros decís que en Jerusalén es el lugar donde que se debe adorar. So through that supernatural knowledge, here's what happened. Jesus gains her confidence quicker than you normally would. 
He gains her confidence quicker than a longer human conversation. And because of that confidence, the lights are starting to come on. And she says, you know what? I think you might be a prophet. And if you're a prophet, I got some questions for you. And see, that's what some of us are afraid of. Spirit of the Lord works through us. We begin to minister to somebody and lights start coming on and they go, okay, since we're on this, what's the meaning of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? She goes on, I've got some questions for you. Look what Jesus did in reply, verses 21 to 26. Read along. Jesús le dijo, Mujer, créeme, que la hora viene cuando ni en este monte ni en Jerusalén adoraréis al Padre. Vosotros adoraréis lo que no sabéis. Nosotros adoramos lo que sabemos, porque la salvación viene de los judíos. Mas la hora viene, y ahora es, cuando los verdaderos adoradores adorarán al Padre en espíritu y verdad. Porque también el Padre, tales adoradores, buscan que le adoren. Dios es espíritu, y los que le adoran en espíritu y en la verdad es necesario que adoren. Le dijo la mujer, sé que ha de venir el Mesías, llamado el Cristo. Cuando Él venga, nos declarará todas las cosas. Jesús le dijo, yo soy el que habla contigo. So he reveals to her who he is. I am the Messiah. And the Bible says in a number of verses that we're going to skip over rather than read. This is what happens next. She takes off with her water jar. She actually leaves it behind. She runs to the village. She tells everyone she can find. Come and see. This is probably the Messiah. Come check it out. Bible says people come streaming from the village. Many Samaritans believed because of the woman's witness. They asked him to stay around. For a couple days he talked to them. Many more people heard and believed. And they told the woman, we believe not just because of you, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Her witness started the gospel process in people's lives. And because of her, many more people believed Jesus. They heard the message and believed. But I want to go back to the beginning. She believed. Because one person started a conversation. Jesus simply said, please give me a drink. One ordinary request made that entire evangelistic effort come into play. The snowballing began by one ordinary, non-spiritual, get your attention, let's talk a bit conversation. Please give me a drink. Now the heart of what I want us to see here this afternoon. Let's go back some verses. Verse 31 to 34. 31 to 34. We're going to check out the big picture of this story. Verse 31. Entre tanto, los discípulos le rogaban, diciendo, Rabbi, come. Él les dijo, Yo tengo una comida que comer que vosotros no sabéis. Entonces los discípulos decían unos a otros, ¿Le habrá traído alguien de comer? Jesús le dijo, Mi comida es que haga la voluntad del que me envió y que se acabe su obra. 
Doing the will of God. Fulfilling the work of God. Jesus said, that is nourishing to me. When Jesus sat down, he's tired, he's thirsty, he's drained, he's worn out. But after he's investing in the soul of this woman, the scripture says, he reports, I am refreshed. In fact, lunch is no longer on his mind. Instead, he is inspired by heavenly things. Can I encourage people of God this afternoon, uh, releasing the Holy Spirit to do His work through us is nourishing. It is strengthening. I'm busy. I'm overwhelmed. I got a lot of things to do. Join America. We all do. But when I serve in a faith group, it is nourishing in my spirit. When I minister in children's ministry, it is strengthening in my spirit. When I lead in worship, it inspires my spirit. Teaching a person Bible study is refreshing. Greeting people at the door is refreshing. Why? Because when I release the the Holy Spirit in me to do more than give me my own personal goosebumps. But when I release it to do ministry, when I release it to serve others, there is strength and nourishment that comes. In fact, Jesus is witnessing experience with a Samaritan woman has him all fired up. He gets strength from that ministry. He gets strength from that allowing the Spirit to use him. In verses 35 to 38, he tells this wonderful lesson what this thing is all about. Read 35 to 38. No decís vosotros, aún faltan cuatro meses para que llegue la ciega. He aquí os digo, alzad vuestros ojos y mirad los campos porque ya están blanco para la ciega. Y el que ciega recibe salario y recoge fruto para vida eterna. Para el que siembra, goce juntamente con el que ciega. Porque en esto es verdadero el dicho. Uno es el que siembra y otro es el que ciega. Yo os he enviado a cegar lo que vosotros no labrasteis. Otros labraron y vosotros habéis entrado en sus labores. I want us to grasp the power of Jesus' words right here for us today. The disciples were stuck in future thinking. Harvest will happen somewhere down the road. In a few months, after a few circumstances, after the normal order of business, that's when harvest will come. They're only thinking about where they're at right now and what would happen in the future. But Jesus' revelation to them was that there is harvest already ripe. Jesus told them, you're thinking about the whole process, but I want you to know the process has been going on. And it's been happening repeatedly in many different fields. Therefore, you need to understand there's no waiting. You don't have to wait for four months and someday. It is time to stop praying. God, send us revival. That is not a Christ prayer. 
Jesus said, look around. The harvest is already ripe. The harvest is already ripe. Step back from the future thinking and live in the present. No need to wait. Fields are ready for harvest. Look around the experience I want us to understand today the experience of Jesus and the Samaritan woman and her further evangelism was Jesus's example of the already ripe harvest he shared this teaching in the middle of that witnessing experience while that is taking place he's been strengthened by the work of God and he represents them to understand hey fellas Quit looking off into someday and somehow and some other place. This lady was ready today in the right now. She was ready for the message of Jesus Christ. Seeds had already been planted in her life. Witnesses had already watered those seeds in her life. Little by little, person by person, others had already done the work. And Jesus said to his disciples, you don't have to do everything. Others have already done some things before you. It is time to harvest. It is time to realize there are people ready for salvation. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, she was ready. Living faith, this congregation, was founded in 1968. For 50 years, others before us have been sowing seeds of the gospel throughout this city. For five decades, others that have gone before us have been watering seeds in the field of this city for five decades. Of course, we're going to keep sowing and keep watering as we are called to do. Yet, I provoke all in the sound of my voice. We have got to listen to Jesus' revelation. Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest now, today, already. No waiting. Jesus said, others have already done the work, now you will gather the harvest. I want us as a congregation right now, if you want to receive the understanding and revelation of that promise in your own life, you say, you know what, I get it. I see it. I understand it. I want to live in the here and now in the kingdom of God's harvest for today. If you feel that way, I want you to raise your hands and begin to call on the Lord right now. I want you to surrender your life and say, Jesus, I receive, Lord, the power of your word into my life right now. Come on, that's awesome. All over this house, Jesus, by your name and by your power and by your authority, move, oh God, in my life, Lord Jesus. Bring to me an understanding Lord stretch my understanding open my eyes to what you would really do how you would really work how Lord you would have me to speak and minister how Lord you would have me to reach out to those around me oh God
Come on, I want you to think for a few moments right now about your own water cooler moments. Jesus had a water cooler moment with the Samaritan woman. Instead of ignoring her, instead of caving to cultural pressure, instead of giving in to what others think He might do and how He might should act, Jesus decided, I'm just going to offer an ordinary phrase and an ordinary statement. And let's just see where this goes. Lord Jesus, fill our mouths with ordinary conversation starters. Lord, by Your Spirit that's alive and well and active within us, O God, sharpen our minds, quicken our thoughts to the please give me a drink conversations, Lord. It may be as simple as, can I buy you a cup of coffee? It might be as simple as knocking on the neighbor's door and saying, can I borrow a ladder? I'm doing some things around the house. Would you lend me your ladder? It could be something so simple as pausing for a moment and helping someone who's struggling with their groceries to say, hey, can I give you a hand with that? Lord, I pray. That your spirit, oh Lord, would be alive and well in every man and woman, boy and girl, filled with your presence and power, oh God. Release, Lord, your authority and your dominion and your power in us and through us for the blessing of others. While we're praying right now, we're going to pray something else. We're going to pray against a spirit of fear that would limit and hinder and suffocate God's people. And instead, we're going to pray for the Spirit to release His gifts of discernment and knowledge and wisdom. Rather than trusting fear, I'm going to put my trust in an all-knowing, all-wise, and all-understanding God. If it's your desire to be used in those special abilities, would you slip your hand up in the air right now and tell that to the Lord right now? Would you just begin to express your desire? Lord Jesus, I come against fear. I come against, Lord, the weapons of humanity that are simply used and magnified by the enemy. I, I come against, Lord, those things that are merely human and would cause me, Lord, not to be used of your gifts. And instead, Lord, I ask that you would release in me and I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to put my trust in you, Lord, that if you give me understanding, I will share it. Lord, as you give me knowledge, I will speak it. As you give me wisdom, Lord, I will speak it. Lord, I'll enter into the ordinary and I'll expect you, Lord, to pour out the extraordinary. Lord, I'll enter into the common and the mundane conversations and I'll wait with expectancy that your power 
will overwhelm me. That your spirit will saturate my conversation and I'll be able to speak not with my authority, not with my power, not with my wisdom, but with your power, with your authority, with your wisdom, with your understanding. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout in Jesus' name. I rebuke fear in the name of the Lord. Fear should not be a part of a spirit-filled disciple. I'll not be dominated by a human spirit and a negative enemy. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. We release the spirit. I'm going to invite everyone all over this building. If you would stand with me, please. If you'd stand with me. Now, this next prayer that we're going to pray together is for the right now harvest. It's for the already ripe harvest. It's for you and I to be in tune. We're not overlooking anybody. We're not skipping anybody. We're not saying people don't matter. But you know what? I'm not waiting four months. We're going to pray for the already ripe. Jesus said, wake up and look around. They are there. They are there. Jesus would not speak that to you and I if it were not true. They are there. Those that have gone before us have sown seed, have watered seed. Jesus said, you will reap where you didn't sow. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost, you give me peace.